Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, April 1st. Before we get to our conversation with Andy Katz, formerly of ESPN, now with Fox Sports, now with the NCAA, of course, he hosts the March Madness 365 podcast, as well as his work he does for the Big Ten Network. It's an interview I've been chasing for a long time, so I can't tell you enough how excited I am, how fun of a conversation we had with Andy, how informative as well. We talk about the NCAA's announcement yesterday that they are going to extend an extra year of eligibility to all of those spring sport athletes whose final seasons were ruined by the emerging coronavirus pandemic. And it's a really fun conversation. We talk about the implications, some of the things we don't know as well, and so much more. You know, he's a professional's professional, obviously, so it was a great conversation. But before we talk about that, I do want to run through some of today's biggest off-court storylines, I suppose on-court storylines as well, uh, related to the tennis world and coronavirus. But before we do that, have to, of course, let all of you know that these podcasts are made possible daily because of our friends at Diadem Sports. And I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Trust me when I say Diadem is helping tennis players across the globe elevate their games by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the platform. Do I need to tell you about the Elevate 98? Do I need to tell you about the Nova 100 at this point, I don't. I don't even have to tell you about their five sets of strings, the Elite XT, Solstice Power, Flash, Evolution, and of course, the Alex Gruskin Impulsive Impulse Strings, uh, because they've got it all, and you know that by now. What you don't know is that it's not just the rackets and the strings. They've got incredible sweatshirts as well, t-shirts, premier tennis balls. It's got it's the one-stop shop for all of your tennis needs, and of course, if you go to their website right now, diademsports.com, use our promo code CR50, you'll get 50% off those needs as well. So I can't imagine a lot of us are going to be breaking many strings over these next couple of months until, you know, we are out of self-quarantine and able to get back outside on the courts. But you can fulfill all of your tennis needs right now by shopping at diademsports.com. And again, we are so grateful for their continued support. The least we can ask you all to do is to support them as well. That being said, let's run through the storylines from today before we get to our interview with Andy Katz. Big scoop out of the Wall Street Journal's Katie Honan. A 350-bed hospital facility is opening up at the USTA facility in Flushing Meadows, Corona Park, home of the U.S. Open. And look, if we in the tennis community can do anything to help the rest of the world deal with this pandemic, that means offering up stadiums. I'm really excited and happy and you know encouraged that the United States Tennis Association, USTA, is willing to do just that. And you know, shout out to them. They deserve all of the credit in the world. Whatever is needed, uh, if you can give any sort of charitable thing, whether it's money, whether you can donate blood, uh, we all want to do our part to help the world get through this as safely and healthily as possible. So can't say enough how great you know who cares about the look PR wise for tennis that's just that's the right move so congratulations to them hopefully 
uh, it will help as many other people as needed. And, you know, shout out again to Queen Stadium, to Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. Finally, you know, that's the sort of action that lives up to the namesake of Billie Jean King. So shout out to them. And again, shout out to Katie Honan of the Wall Street Journal uh, for that piece. If you want to read more about it, go check that out. Jose Morgado, of course, our tennis Twitter friend uh, who announced, you know, his work for Record Portugal. He's locked in on so many different platforms. Uh, he reported that the Madrid Open still hoping to happen in 2020 between the U.S. Open and Roland Garros. And why I think that's relevant, I think we're starting to see the signs, the powers that be in the ATP, in the WTN. We talk about this with WTA Player Council member Christy Ahn in a Cracked Interviews podcast you all will hear soon. Um, it, it sounds like we're not going to see much play, if any play, this summer. Obviously, clay court season already uh we'll say not canceled, postponed for the foreseeable future. Wimbledon supposed to make an announcement later today uh, as well on their season. And if Wimbledon gets canceled, you imagine all of the grass court season gets canceled. But Madrid is shooting for a you know a late September, early October starting. What that tells me is that he may try and play the end. You know they think the summer hard courts are going to get wiped out as well. They'll try and play the U.S. Open, then squeeze in some European clay season events, and with late Asian of uh, Asian hardcore events swing of the tour in the late fall, early winter. So I think we're starting to see some breadcrumbs fly out. It would not surprise me at all to hear Wimbledon postpone, in, if not cancel it. You know, Wimbledon's one of those few tournaments that actually has some insurance for a pandemic-related incident. They're one of the few tournaments that could probably afford to pay for that sort of insurance. Uh, but uh, not our friend, unfortunately. We haven't had him on the pod, but uh, someone I'm quite fond of in tennis uh, media. Christopher Clary of the New York Times wrote a piece today saying coronavirus presents an existential existential, excuse me, threat to some pro tennis events. The headline is already difficult for the lowest events on the men's and women's tour, even in a good economy. Now the upending of the sports calendar by the coronavirus means some tournaments may not exist next year. And I'm not going to violate the New York Times paywall. That's not fair. If you want it, you know, support journalism in whatever ways you can at this point, go subscribe to your local newspaper, go subscribe to whatever organization it is that you support. Uh, But I will give away some, some interesting passages certainly because, you know, he talks about how uh, with professional tennis on hold until at least June and perhaps much longer, the sports administrators are players and players are scrambling to cut their losses as tournaments are postponed or canceled en masse. Looming over these adjustments, there's a threat that some events, particularly those on the lower rungs of the men's and women's tours, will not survive. And he has quotes from Chief Executive of WTA, Steve Simon. This is real. The events are taking significant hints by not operating. Uh, and again, I'm... These, reading these last two paragraphs because the rest you got to go read for yourself folks but the size of the hit for each tournament depends on numerous factors including the timing of a postponement the operating budget sponsorship agreements and the agreement with the venue insurance largely will not help Wimbledon which is considering cancellation is the only is one of the only tournaments that has some coverage for a pandemic the vast majority of tour events have none in fact many WTA and AT events ATP events have skipped full cancellation insurance altogether with annual fees that can range from 200000 to 700000 depending on a tournament's revenue. And look, he talks more about specific events, which one 
ones in particular are going to take a hit. Again, so many great quotes throughout this as well. He talks about what the schedule looks like right now, how uh, he projects it's going to move forward, what he's hearing from different sources within the tour. It's a fantastic article, as Christopher Clary is so frequently producing. Uh, so please, everyone, go give that a look. I retweeted it on my Twitter account, at GreatShotPod. And I think it's a really good uh, look at, you know, we've, we've talked about the financials for players. We've talked about some of these tournaments taking a hit with guests like Steve Weissman and Mark Lucero. John Wertheim, but you know, I think Christopher nails it in this article, and we'll see if we can't get him on the podcast to discuss it sometime soon. Um, so that that was another thing I read. Some, uh, you know, a more grateful, I suppose a more forward-thinking exciting note. Uh, The World Team Tennis Celebrity All-Star Match is this weekend on CBS. I believe that event is happening at 2 p.m. or 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. Uh, It's going to be live again on streaming on CBS Sports and it was something they recorded before the pandemic obviously uh, wiped out our ability to host events like this, but guys like the Bryans, Sam Query, Monica Pui, Madison Keys, Coco Vandeweghe, Ryan Harrison, and more, as well as an appearance from from Maria Sharapova. Uh, there's a lot of fun appearances as well from many other guests, and we are thrilled to announce that we're going to be chatting with Carlos Silva, World Team Tennis CEO, later in the week to talk, talk about the event, talk about how the season's been impacted by the coronavirus and more, so be on the lookout for those things. Last note, because I know this is a pretty long intro, but hey, it's the mini break, right? This is my time. we got to fill your daily fix for tennis, of course. Um, but you know, sad news uh, from the tennis world, certainly, and I'm sure at this point, so many of us know people in our personal lives who have been affected by this virus or uh, just, you know, so many out there. But Patrick McEnroe confirming today he's tested positive for coronavirus. He says he's feeling well. Uh, and He's, you know, the outpouring of support he's gotten on Twitter and just various social media has been heartwarming, of course. Uh, but our thoughts and prayers are with him and, you know, all of you listeners out there who have been affected by this and you know these are bigger times than tennis and as a tennis community it's more important than now uh now than ever that we stick together and so know that you all have a loving supporter here in Alex Gruskin, my, you know, myself, sorry to refer to myself in third person, but should you need someone to chat with and just distractions from all of the daily stresses, I am here for you. And someone who is here for me today, Andy Katz, who again discusses the implications of the NCAA's ruling yesterday to extend an extra year of eligibility to all of those seniors whose spring seasons, senior seasons were uh, obviously taken away by this coronavirus. That conversation coming up right now. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Joining us now on today's podcast, I guess we have chased after for quite a while here at Cracked Rackets. And if, like me, you were born in the 90s, you grew accustomed to hearing this guy's voice throughout this time of year during the March Madness swing. Of course, he's worked for ESPN, currently working for Fox Sports, Turner Sports, and host of the March Madness 365 podcast. Andy Katz, welcome to the show. It is an honor. Well, thank you. You you, you didn't say NCAA.com and Big Ten Network as well. 
<laughs> See, that's a professional. He gets his plugs in at the beginning. <laughs> I always appreciate that. And look, I, I didn't want to bring up the Big Ten thing because I'm a Wolverine. You're a Badger, and I know your time is precious. And so once I get going, I can't stop. But uh, obviously, we are so grateful to have you on today in particular, given that yesterday the NCAA came out with their ruling. They are affording an extra year of eligibility to all of those spring sports seniors who were uh, had their season wiped away from the coronavirus pandemic. And I want to start there. Why do you think the NCAA came out with this decision? Well, it's the right decision um, because, you know, you're trying to look at student athlete welfare um, and the spring sports in terms of their traditional season. Now, a lot of them actually do, as you know, with tennis, uh, baseball, softball, you know, they have events in the winter but they're still deemed spring sports. Uh, so, they, I mean, a lot of them start in February. We know with the indoors and tennis and certainly baseball and softball and warming climates, they all start in late February, early March. So they already started, uh, but the, the thrust of their seasons obviously are April and May, and their playoffs tournaments are in May and June. So uh, it was the right decision. It is a complicated decision, though, and we can get into that. But uh, I think it was... It, it was the right thing to do, certainly in everything that we're dealing with here. I could not agree with you more, and I just wanted to say on behalf of uh, your, as one of the bigger voices, your advocacy for this idea from the get-go, I'm sure I speak for so many fans when we say it was much appreciated. And, you know, let's start breaking down that decision, and let's start here. Why just spring sports and not winter sports as well? Is it simply come down to the financials behind it all? Well, you know, I, I actually I don't know that answer, but I think it did. But also, let's deal in practicality. Um, most winter sport athletes actually were done. Uh, you know, a majority of conference tournaments, you know, had either been finished or the lower level teams were out um, at the men's and well, most women's tournaments were over. Uh, wrestling, you know, just had their I think they're just conference tournaments and NCAA tournament. Hockey had already moved on to, to where they were heading to the playoffs and men's and women's hockey. Um, you know, it, it, you know, track, I think they just missed out on their championship. So for the most part, you were looking at one, maybe two events left, and a handful would play three, four, five, six. So, you know, at that point, are you really going to bring all these people back for – you know, maybe in, uh, enough games that fit on one one hand. So th- that just didn't make sense to me as much as I felt bad for all those seniors that were missed out on their opportunities w- with postseason. It just didn't make sense to me for them to get that extra year. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, to a lot of people. The idea that, yeah, you're, you missed the NCAA tournament and now more than ever that feels more important than maybe the regular season. But uh, certainly, you know, the duration of so many of those winter sports, as you mentioned, already done. Um, I do have a couple of questions from the NCAA statement because it came out and one of the big things they talk about is uh, the decision extends an extra year of eligibility for um, all of those seniors wiped away. But it also – does that year of eligibility apply let's say you were a freshman this season are you considered a freshman next year by ncaa standards or for all of the non-seniors uh even spring sport wise does this season count Ooh, that's a good question alex um uh that is because a good it, question it and, was unclear and, and, to me and um 
you know, well, here's the thing. Let me say this. You get five years to play four. And so what I, the way I interpreted it was um, that uh, you would get five years um, regardless. So that if you needed a six year to, let's say you redshirted this past year, um, you know, uh, and you, you, you now you've missed, like you redshirted last year and you were going to play this year. And now, technically, you only have three left um, rather than four. I, I think more than there's no way that, that you would get denied. I don't think the ability to actually have four seasons of, you know, of eligibility. Yeah, because it says the council will allow schools to self-apply a one-year extension of eligibility for spring sports student athletes, effectively extending each student's five-year clock by a year, and each student. It's a little vague, uh, you know, because earlier they talk about seniors only. But that is that's interesting, especially as you mentioned, or for the freshmen this season. It's like, well, am I going to get wiped away? And certainly there are scholarship implications as well behind that. And that is, you know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the financials and, you know, reading from the statement again. Members also adjusted financial aid rules to allow teams to carry more members on scholarship to account for incoming recruits and student athletes who had been in their last year of eligibility who decide to stay the next sentence starts in a nod to the financial uncertainty faced by higher education the council voted also provided schools with the flexibility to uh, you know flexibility and goes into the financial options they have I guess let's start here how big was the financial hit the NCAA took this year and how do you think that hit will start to manifest itself it was massive I mean it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars multiple hundreds of millions of dollars um so that it's going to have an effect. There's no question about it. Um, I hope sports don't get cut. Uh, you know, I hope salaries don't get cut because things are going to come back. You know, the question is, are they coming back in the fall, the winter, a year from now? Um, so we know it's going to come back. We just don't know when. And that's the problem is, um, you know, what I think will be interesting here. And let's take a North Carolina, for example, okay? You know, on the women's side in tennis, they had a chance to win the national championship. And a player like Alexa Graham, okay, who was a senior, um, one of, I think, three on their roster. So does she want to come back for two semesters, okay? And I don't know what her – most tennis players are not on scholarship. Now they may get something and different – Levels, as you know, Alex, can offer more depending upon the uh, financial situation of the institution. Um, but let's say, let's say that a player like that is in more in the norm where they're not getting anything or they're getting very minimal. Does that player want to spend two semesters worth of money to come back uh, for another chance for championship um, rather than, A, trying to be a professional – B, maybe they have a job lined up, um, you know, so and, and I don't know their family situation. I was just using her as an example. But, you know, I, I think that's going to weigh heavily on a lot of on, on a lot of uh, on a lot of athletes. And then on the flip side, you know, I've seen this been mentioned, um, you know, where. OK, so if you have a freshman coming in and now you thought there's going to be all these spots, uh, what happens next? 
when your roster is bloated for this one year and you've got these players that are back uh, and you thought you were going to come in and maybe you thought you were going to be number four singles and now you're not even accountable. You know, now you're playing a ghost match. Or I'll throw this at you, Alex, because you're very, you know, you're locked into this and you've got a lot of the ears of these coaches. You know, do they experiment? You know, if there's a if there's a ton of players who do take up this offer in men's and women's tennis, do they look at changing for one season only the scoring? Do they add wow. another singles? Do they add? You know, right now it's what what um, uh, six singles, three doubles for one point. You know, I, I don't know if there'd be enough players to add a whole nother, and you'd want to have an odd number for doubles. So I don't know if you, you know, to have four more sets of doubles or two more sets of doubles with four players, that might be asking more, too much, you know, and I know the other problem, if you add another point in singles is most tennis facilities or majority, you know, will have six courts, you know, you know, so is there a seventh for, for a match to be going on at a maximum? I don't know. I'm just spitballing this out there. If, if, if all these rosters blowed out, but maybe they don't. Maybe some rosters didn't have a lot of seniors, and it won't be a factor. Yeah. First of all, I love the creative thinking. I will say this. As fond as I am for so many coaches, uh, they would never organize something like that that quickly. There would be votes <laughs> and then counter votes, and it would just never happen. But you're absolutely right. That gets to the idea of, and again, this is something else I wanted to ask you, is schools have the power to decide how much scholarship or athletic aid is the term used in the statement uh, to give those players who want to return. And, you know, that's a fascinating proposition, right? Because another piece of it is, and you talk about the North Carolina seniors, I'm sure for them, if they say, hey, we want to come back, their coach is like, yep, let's run the table for another season. Um, And, you know, for the freshmen, you hold off a year and maybe you use red shirts and all of these different things. And for tennis as a non-revenue sport, you know, it's four and a half scholarships for the guys, eight for the women, you know, that is, uh, that's extended for one year, but I don't think that applies to the following season. So So let me me stop you there, Alex. So, okay, but no, no, I'm just saying uh, those numbers, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, those numbers can be manipulated on every roster, correct? So if I have eight on the women's side, I could say, look, I want, you get books, you get a room, you get tuition, and I can divide them all up, correct? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I won't give away any names, but if you're from my home state of Michigan and you're going to Michigan, the fact that you get in-state tuition is 100% factored into how much scholarship you get. Um, so yeah, those numbers are all manipulated like that, exactly. And so it's fascinating because they have a one-year bonus, but let's say a coach is like, eh, you know, if you're a six-single seniors player who is in the roster, but there's a freshman who's coming in to take your spot, right? And it could just be like all of the sudden, is the coach is like, you know what, we're actually not going to extend to you uh, any athletic aid because A, maybe we we don't think we need to, or B, uh, we don't, you know, financially, it's just not possible for us. I feel like that's going to be another backlash, right? That has to be something. And they talked about, they're going to tap into the NTA student assistance fund. I don't really know what that is. Um, but you know, that, that has to be considered a factor. And right? some of these schools yes. aren't going to be able to do it. Well, and also think about this and that's why I, I have to, you have to go back to the, that it's a two semester deal here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like, oh, can you come back and suddenly you're playing, you know, these matches in September, October. So a lot of these 
players have to say, okay, do I really want to go back, you know, for something that I've been thinking about for next April, May, but I got to get through September and through March. And, um, you know, not everyone may want to do that. You know, they may want to move on with their lives. Maybe all their friend groups, you know, that are non-athletes, they've moved on. So now, you know, do I want to go back to school X when, uh, you know, just for tennis, uh, when, you know, the rest of my life has all moved on? Yeah, that's a very good point as well. It's, it's almost the same conundrum you have as a fifth-year senior. You're just like, really? I'm going to go back all these kids who are a year younger than me? I mean, it's that same sort of uh, mindset. But, you know, for some athletes who this is the end of their tennis or athletic playing career, it doesn't just have to be tennis. Certainly the idea of getting another thing, uh, maybe even getting a graduate degree in that time if your credits line up, I'm sure that's a factor that's going to be considered. And I know, you know, certain conferences have rules. The Ivy League was pointed out they don't allow grad students to play, and will they waive that for a year? But, you know, another question I'm curious what you're hearing about is for kids who they want to go back and their school just doesn't have the money for them or the coach is ready to move on, do you think the NCAA is going to institute a one-year waiver for all these spring sport athletes and allow them to transfer if possible? I do. I just don't think— I can't anticipate in this climate any roadblocks. It's just the PR aspect of it just won't look good. I mean, they'll get, there will definitely be backlash based on this because no one wants to be the Grinch here um, when everyone's coming back from, you know, outside of these shells that we're living in, in these silos. No one wants to be uh, negative in that regard. The other thing, too, is, Alex, think about, Division two and division three, all right, where everyone is paying and you want to come back at Tufts or, you know, wherever, you name it, okay? Um, we are in, you know, end of March, early April here. Uh, if there are athletes who hadn't committed yet, you know, then it could be interesting if, if you're a coach and you say, you know what, you got to go to player X and say, are you coming back or not? Because if you are, um, I may not take player X, you know what I mean? Or I may uh-huh. say, you know what, uh, do you want to defer for a year? I, I don't know if that kind of stuff will go on as well because, you know, at the lower levels, it's, it's even harder to, to have a, you know, a bigger roster. Absolutely. I read an article on NCA.org uh, about D3. I think it's like a $7.6 million deficit for them this season, and that's catastrophic. It, they don't have the you know the billion-dollar windfall from March Madness every year to rely on. Every sport being canceled counts, so you mentioned cancellations. I think, sadly, that, uh, you know, of, of programs at certain schools, that, that could be 100% be one of the implications of the coronavirus. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm curious for you because right now, now, this time of year, probably usually prepping for the final four, but just on a personal level, uh, how's it, you know, you were, I think calling, I think I saw you calling a game on Fox the day that Rudy Gobert's announced his positive test. And, you know, what's it been like for you just adjusting to all of this? Actually, I was, uh, yeah, I was um, at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis on Big Ten Network when all this went down. And, mm-hmm. and then the next day I was supposed to do the Michigan Rutgers game and interviewed those coaches beforehand. So, yeah, no, it's been bizarre. You know, I've at least been keeping busy by doing Skypes and podcasts like yourself and um, and hopeful that uh, we're going to get to the other side of this sooner than later. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's clearly been bizarre. My adult life, I've never been home at this time. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, right now I'd, I'd be getting ready tomorrow to go to Atlanta for the Final Four. Um, you know, all these championships getting canceled. I mean, I had all my plans. I was going to be in Stillwater next month. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing, too. You think about what Oklahoma State did to build that facility and hopeful that they were going to host. And now that's gone. Now they can certainly get back in the rotation. You know, it's every other year down in Orlando and Lake Nona. So next year it'll be back in Orlando. Then it's supposed to be in Illinois. And then back in Orlando would be the ex- expectation. Now does Oklahoma State get back in that rotation? Uh, three, what would that be? Um, four years from now, I guess. Uh, you know, it may be. Um, and, uh, but they're not, they're not alone. All these other sites that had bid and expected to host uh, Atlanta, for example, for the Final Four on the men's side, they can't get back in until 27 because all these other ones are lined up. That's crazy. It's crushing for so many of these sites. And I'm glad you brought up you going, you you being at Oklahoma State because last year you got to do your first tennis selection show. And just looking back on that, I know we're not going to get one this year, but do you credit Sal for your interest in college tennis? Would you say it all comes from him? Yes. Uh, my son <laughs> Sal is a huge Huge tennis uh, fan, knows every player, follows the tour, ATP and WTA. Um, you know, it's obviously been crushing to see all these events canceled uh, now under the grass season. You know, we're just hopeful that the hardcourt season will be salvaged. Uh, we got Labor Cup tickets, so we're hoping we'll be able to go in September to Boston. Uh, but yes, definitely, uh, definitely had, uh, had spurred my interest in the sport. I mean, I, I obviously... And you know the talks. I mean, outside of basketball, tennis is my second favorite, and always been my other passion of following it. So, and love going to these events. So that that there's definitely always been an interest, and I play. So, uh, but still, uh, you know the, the, you know not having these events and and something to look forward to at all for all of us that are involved in athletics. It's just it's you know there's a void. There's nothing. You can, there's just definitely a void. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I have last, two last questions for you. You want the fun one or the serious one first? Uh, it doesn't matter. All right, we'll go serious first and then end with some fun because you talk about tennis, um, you know, and it's an international sport, right? Grass season looks like it could be canceled. Clay portion of the year already gone. Um, do you think tennis specifically because of it, the international nature of the sport, because if there's still any sort of hot zone because tennis players come from all over the world, that it will continue to affect the sport. Do you think it will be, you know, further hurt by this, that the reaction, the delay in resuming play could be any longer than domestic leagues because you know once a country thinks they've got the situation under control hypothetically a domestic league could resume yes uh and also one other point we forgot to mention about college tennis there's you know tons of international players Uh and if they all have gone home to their respective home countries you know not knowing what's happening with the travel bans uh as we get closer to fall you know over the summer you know that's a whole nother other roster spot we haven't even talked about um you know, in terms of how that will play out, uh, you know, can you count on those international players coming back? We don't know. So, yes, I do think um, on one side, I think individual sports will come back sooner than team sports. And that would be tennis, golf. Uh, you know, we got the Kentucky Derby coming back, NASCAR, all those kinds of things are hopefully coming back. But on the other side, there's no more international sport than tennis. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the NASCAR pit crew would object to you calling that an individual sport, but <laughs> that's just because I'm live in Indianapolis now, so i got to defend my Indy 500, I guess. Um, all right, now fun question for you. You mentioned you yourself are a tennis player. Give me your tennis playing equivalent. Who are you playing like? Who would you compare your game to? Ooh, I, I don't think there is a comparison because I'm not good enough. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I know my forehand – uh, can compete. Uh, backhand is very weak. Serve when it's on is decent. Um, you know, in the summer, since we belong to the hall of fame in Newport, uh, I do play on grass fair amount. I think I told you this before. I can't remember, but I highly recommend to your listeners. If anyone ever gets a chance, because he goes around the country and hopefully he'll continue to do this. But last summer, Sally and I both had an unbelievable experience, uh, playing with Matt's Vlander. And he does this uh, program where he goes around to different places around the country. He's in, first of all, he's in unbelievable shape. He's an incredible person. And, and he gave me by far the toughest tennis workout I've ever had and also had a blast doing it. And uh, so um, I encourage anyone that if you cross paths, it is well worth the experience. Oh, I have full-throated endorsement. I love it. I feel like you're an ankle sock wearer. I just, I don't know, something about you. You wouldn't go with the high socks. No, 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 no. Ankle. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes sense. And I also have a pet theory that the movements of basketball and tennis are actually two of the more similar ones because it's a lot of starting and stopping, changing direction, and that's why maybe, I mean, I'm not going to say uh, there's a crossover effect, but I feel like there is some truth to that. Yes, although at this point in life, I'm, I'd much rather play tennis than hoops. <laughs> That's fair. Well, again, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time for uh, to chat with us. Tell Sal I say hello and, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for all you do for our sport. Thanks, Alex. Yep, take care. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Andy Katz, who again of ESPN fame now with Fox Sports, Big Ten Network, NCAA. He hosts the March Madness 365 podcast, and as I mentioned in the pod, uh, he's a guy whose voice people of my generation are so have grown so accustomed to hearing at this time. So to get the chance to tap chat with him under these circumstances provided a comfort for me i hope you all enjoyed it as well and a huge thank you to andy i uh, hope he and his family stay safe and healthy obviously over the course of this next few months however long it takes to get through this but uh, you know, that was a fun conversation. We've got more fun conversations coming for you all week long here at Cracked Rackets, our content machine continuing to rock and roll. Let's start with the YouTube videos. Overserved Episode 3 now officially out on our YouTube channel. Again, it pokes fun at all of the unintentional comedy we see on a day-by-day basis from the tennis world on tennis Twitter, Instagram, TikTok becoming such a big thing. Uh, we do our impersonations of all of the stuff we found funniest, so Super Producer Daniel Westoff's been killing it with those episodes if you haven't subscribed to our youtube channel go do that right now you're just missing out and wasting time so don't waste any further it's three clicks folks we've all got time all day to do something like subscribe to a youtube channel and if we get to a thousand i'll stop asking you all but until that moment please go subscribe other conversations we've had this week 
uh, or that we will have Jamie McDonald and I record a really fun mini break drafting college formatted ATP teams, uh, one through six singles in different positions depending on your uh, depending on your ranking. You could be qualified for that position. That was great technique Tuesday with our friends at My Tennis HQ. Cracked interviews wise, Dennis Kudla was a great conversation we had talking about what he's up to, how the coronavirus has impacted his life, and you know what he does now on a day by day basis. He's an entertaining as fun a guest as any, so be on the lookout for that. We've also got new content brewing here at Crack Dragons, so be on the lookout for all that. If you want sneak previews of interviews of all these things, go check out our Patreon. Uh, and again, shout out to so many of you supporters who are already on there supporting us. You get uh, early looks at interviews, early looks at content we're working on, and again, every piece of support we can get at this point. We really appreciate, such as the support we get from our friends at Diadem Sports. Go to the website, diademsports.com. Use that promo code CR50 for 50% off all of your tennis needs right now. I do have one last thing to say before we sign off. Uh, I do know, you know, as you can imagine, without the live results right now, uh, it, it's tough to find out with daily topics to schedule, uh, to discuss on a day-by-day basis. So this is going to be our last mini uh, mini break for a while. It's just we're going to scale things back. We're going to take a pause. It's, you know, I just I don't know what else in the tennis world I can talk about right now. April Fools. I'm just kidding, guys. We would never do that to you. I'm going to talk tennis at least 30 minutes a day, regardless of circumstances. I just, you know, if that joke helped you at all, I'm sure it didn't. And if you're listening to this point of the podcast, shout out to you. But, you know, Westoff, I think that April Fool sound effect you threw in there was perfect. And, uh, you know, give everyone just a little bit of a laugh that they need. And shout out to you and Super Producer Max Fleetner. Uh, for the f- of an editing job you guys do day in day out this stuff doesn't happen without your work but for our wonderful co- uh, guests today Andy Katz for our super producers Max Fligner Daniel Westoff our friends at both Diadem and Aerobar and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network stay safe stay healthy but for now that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone 